What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Today, I sit with a special guest and good friend, Mike Sutton of Kind Home Solutions in Colorado. Uh, Mike has joined us last year, and uh, coming back this year, we talk a little bit about uh, the paint shortage and how he's adjusting in his painting business where he paints 30 houses a week. Uh, you know, Mike is an awesome example of a leader in our industry, and I think it is going to benefit you to listen to this interview with him uh, as he shares some of his secrets and how he utilizes company culture to grow his business. The Contractor Secrets Podcast starts right now. The big question you need to ask yourself every day is, do I own a job or do I own a business? And unfortunately, the majority of contractors out there own a job. That's right, they're a slave to their own business. But the other side of the fence is so much greener, it's so much better, and that's when you're finally fully in control of your destiny, your freedom, your time, and that's what Contractor Secrets is about. It's about taking back our time, building a business with systems, standards, values, procedures, putting yourself in the driver's seat, and that's what it's about. So I'm excited. I'm happy to have you here. Let's dive into the Contractor Secrets Podcast. All right. Sounds good, man. What's up, everybody? I'm here with my good friend, Mike Sutton, Kind Home Solutions. Uh, man, it's been exactly one calendar year. The sun has rotated, or the earth has rotated around the sun. I don't know. I wasn't good at, at, at astronomy. Anyway, um, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. And uh, I guess we're making this a yearly tradition. You come on on your birthday, bless us with your presence, uh, and kind of help uh, help us hear what it's like at uh, at a different level than what we're used to hearing on this podcast. You know, I think uh, you set a pretty ambitious goal. Yes, last year, um, to the tune of five million, or what? Was it a little higher than that, or was it a little? What was the goal last year that you set? For twenty twenty one, the goal was six five. Six five. And we talked last year at this time, how has, how is that actualized? Was it a little lower? Was it a little higher? Were some major changes, uh, heading your way? I know that we were right on the cuff of COVID. So you had to make a big adjustment on how you guys were selling your jobs on such a large scale. So what happened, uh, what happened this year? Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately this was, we thought 2020 was a tough year with COVID, uh, it was nothing compared to 2021 and the challenges I think most applicators, painters uh, experienced this year with the material shortage. Uh, there was a point in this season where I got a phone call saying, uh, we don't have any of our products in stock in the entire state next week. Crazy. Wow. Uh, I've got 30 houses to paint next week and you don't have a single gallon of extra white base in stock in any of the products we've floated. Insane, um, dude. How did you, how did you, how did you, <laughs> how did you navigate that? Because even at my level, 12 guys, you know, I operate pretty, pretty small in comparison, but even at that level, no paint, you have 30 houses getting painted. So what happened? You know, it was um, being nimble, uh, being communicated with the clients, making sure that we were talking up front, uh, making sure that our clients knew from day one. So in July and June, we're telling our clients, hey, this is a little bit unprecedented. Uh, and as of right now, I'm going to quote you this product. 
come a week or two later, I don't know if that product's going to be. And that's tricky for you because I know you do uh, option-based pricing where good, better, best, resilience, mm-hmm. duration, emerald, uh, one, of, one of the variations. So you don't yes. really have as much confidence as you're used to when selling these because you don't even know if <laughs> better or best is going to be available. And mm-hmm. has that happened where you had to call a customer and say, hey, listen, I know we sold you better, best, but I have to give you good? Dozens of times. Wow. And then and did you have to adjust the pricing? And, and, and of, of course, right? You had to adjust the pricing that, that affected your sales. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, we had a couple of distributors and manufacturers that we had relationships with. And we were able to move to fairly comparable products for our clients. Um, and technically we start, uh, with Emerald. So that's our bottom. Our good option is Emerald. So what's the uh, better, best option? Emerald's like, in my opinion, uh, Emerald rain refresh. Oh, that's okay. Rain refresh. And then we use, uh, Benjamin Moore Aura. Oh, really? Okay. So you'll even throw in Benjamin Moore as the top tier product. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so has Benjamin Moore been harder to find like what i know benjamin moore's pretty big up there similar colorado and, by the way that's where you are sorry i didn't mention absolutely that. um it's been similar from all the manufacturers so ppg uh bear benjamin moore valspar sherwin they're all struggling with the same raw material issues um and our relationship with benjamin moore did help in the october time frame when things got really tight with the Sherwin supply. Is it snowing right now? Yes. So you guys can breathe a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully. Right? Hopefully. Yes. How's it been with the interior products? Um, again, no promises. No promises. Uh, whatever's going to be in stock. Uh, and we haven't had stock issues now for a couple months, but October of last year. At your level, are you just working with your rep? Like you're not even calling the stores? Oh, I don't call our rep for anything. You ha- you have to call the stores. Yeah, we call the stores. We have great relationships with our yeah, primary yeah. stores. The uh, conversation starts. Do you have? Do you have? Do you have? <laughs> uh, we call and ask for bases. So we'd call and ask, "Do you have this base in stock or this base in stock?" Yeah. No? Stop asking for the, <laughs> the base. We'll, we'll mix it at the uh, shop. Just make sure you hide it for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was you know that part was really escalated in August, September, October, by the end of October, it was, it was really tight. Um, everything post that has improved. So, um, that being said, I think it just added a whole new level and challenge to running a painting company through these pandemic years. Um, but the growth was phenomenal. Uh, our team adapted very well. Um, we're in a position where I have project managers dedicated to managing each of that client experience. And their job is to find the product and make sure it's there and on site, ready for when the painters show up and and ready to paint. And they need to be available if additional material was necessary. So really that- How many jobs are they responsible for individually? Six to eight a week. Okay. So each one's assigned six to eight jobs per week? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. So it, it keeps them dedicated. So we were already a little bit positioned 
in order to, to handle the shortage well. Um, if our painters were the ones who were responsible for finding that material, I think it would have been much more challenging. Um, and it's, uh, uh, shows the, the make sure that you have people doing what they're best at and getting people in the right seats. Um, our painters are, are, are great painters. I want them painting, not tracking down materials or calling stores or looking for something. Ah, that's uh, good, man. That's good. Right. I think, oh man, we could, <laughs> that could be a whole podcast in itself about like protecting the integrity of the role and responsibility that the person that you brought into your business was is responsible for. And I think on a small scale, cause I always like to bring it back to the smaller guys. Cause it, mm -hmm. it should never change. Like not, just because you're big doesn't mean that someone at a lower level can't adopt what you just said, right? Like maybe one or two guys on their team and they have them running to the paint store. You know? Yeah. If you have four guys and one guy can head out and go do the paint, go, go to the paint store. Fine. You know, but you don't break away the half of the team to go do that and make the phone call, especially now with how hard it is. It's not just a quick phone call anymore. It's I got to call all stores. I got to coordinate. And again, taking away time from what they should be best at. So super uh, awesome leadership uh, on your part for, for, for focusing on that. Yeah. Um, uh, a story to kind of uh, show that just making sure that people are doing the things that they're best at and, and getting people in those right seats. I had a, um, he managed all of our woodwork and uh, our gutters and, and we do gutters and woodwork just for clients so that they can paint. If there's a hole in the gutter. I don't want to paint a gutter with a hole in it. Let me replace it for you. Um, and that area of our business kind of struggled. There were some challenges that we ran into, issues with the subs, um, some issues with communication. And a year ago, I had a conversation with the person who was running that. And I said, you know, uh, you've done a phenomenal job in this role, but it's because people trust you and you are so good at putting out a fire because you connect with people so well and they trust you. I moved him to a sales position in our company and he did $800,000 in sales in four months. Wow. So wait, he was the guy who installed the gutters? He managed that team. Managed that team. Okay, I see. Mm -hmm. And then you saw how he managed the team and recognized, okay, this guy understands what it takes to make people happy. And not, it doesn't necessarily have to have sales experience to be a salesperson. You just got to be a person person. Yep. So it's, it's digging in and really looking at the people you have around you and finding what their, their God-given gifts were and making sure that they're doing them. Um, and the person who I put in his role, he's a craftsman at heart. His attention to detail is uncanny. We, I mean, it was the most seamless part of our business last year was an area that before we struggled. So it's just making sure that you have those people working in the right spots for you with what they're really, really good at. Um, yeah. And same thing, you know, on. And I think, wait, I think even as a, even as an owner, you've got to know what you're really good at. Like you can't just assume that because you're the owner, you've got to do everything. <laughs> like, yeah. like you've got to, like, you've got to really be self-aware and say, you know what? I kind of suck at sales. I might want to find somebody that could do sales for me and I'll be the project manager of the company. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it. Yes. You know, personally, my attention to detail is not good. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't write a good agenda for meetings. I am not a good note taker in a meeting. Uh, I'm not good at follow-up. So when I delegate, it's not my God-given nature to, to follow up and, and say a week later, hey, how are you doing on this? Have you got it done? Um, and finding the right people who are better at that has been a game changer for us. Knowing what you're knowing what to look for. And it really comes down in my personal opinion to identifying a problem, finding a solution every day. If there's a problem, we find a solution for that problem. If there's a problem, we find a solution for that problem. And I think, you know, it really has to do with uh, getting out of that spiral of trying to fix everything yourself, man. You can't grow past a certain point anyway. You're going to struggle, you know, to get to 5 million, to have the conversation is six and a half million. You can't do that alone. You're, mm -hmm. But really, would you agree that you're just repeating a process that you found that works? And then once you get that process running, you're just refining it? 100%. That's it, right? You yep. found something that worked. Okay, I can go sell the job, find a good subcontractor, go paint the job. And that's how you started. And then you said, you know what, let me do that again and again and again. And then you realize, you know what, I should probably find someone to go to these jobs, manage these subcontractors, collect checks, make sure customers are happy. Now I have a project manager in place. Mm -hmm. And then what did you do? You went and said, you know what, let me do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then now I'm gonna have a supervisor managing this, the project managers. Let me do that again. Right. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, it's so simple when you boil it down that way. And it's intimidating for someone to say, I am not going to hit 5 million this year. Painting 30 houses in a week is insane. I don't even know how Mike has a calm demeanor right now, but it's because we're only painting two this week. Well, in, in on a normal week, you know, what I mean. so uh, no, that's really cool, man. And I just wanted to break that down because again, you, when I used to talk to you and you used to say these millions of dollars that you're selling, I even got a little entanglement, like how, I'm doing this much. How would I even hit that level? Mm -hmm. um, what, how, I mean, all I can think about is how far stretched I'd be. And it's not so much about me thinking, man, that's a lot of work for me. It's like, okay, I need to be a resourceful leader and put people in places to succeed in those areas. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the brief conversation we just had, so exactly what you're doing with drip jobs. Yeah. Um, it's finding the right people to help support tasks and making sure that you've got the right people there to do it. Because there's a certain capacity, right? Like I was telling you, like we hit a certain capacity with how many people signed up. I was starting to see I was getting inefficient. I wasn't responding. I wasn't staying on top of my to-do list. I wasn't, I wasn't, making appointments on time and having to reschedule. And doesn't that happen to some of us in, in any business where we start to think, man, like my customers are starting to actually see my disorganization and my inability to, to fulfill. So that must mean that it's time to bring on help Yep. or you're uh, going to fail. <laughs> I look at all of those pain points as blessings and opportunities. It's, um, I've told my team, find the things that make you the most frustrated and tell me about them because those are the areas that we have to improve our, our, our business. So it's, it's find that pain and then figure out how do we solve it effectively. And oftentimes you need someone else or you need a better system process, potentially sometimes a better tool. How are you, how are you keeping everyone motivated? How many employees do you have, first of all? Uh, there's 23 full-time employees right now. 23 full-time. How many subs? Um, a lot. There might be 100 painters out working on a given day. Okay. How do you keep the 23 
motivated? How are you pitching the vision? And why do people come to work for you every day? Yeah, um, it's a great question. Uh, it's one that's uh, challenging to really understand. Um, but I, I think truly uh, living a life as a leader that is people first, people over profit, um, genuinely investing in the team and making sure that uh, people know how much they're loved and cared for. And frankly, creating financial opportunities for the people in the team. Um, if they don't see a future and they don't see a long-term opportunity, I, I think it might be challenging to want to go to work or, or to give 100%. So I've tried to find ways to give people significant earning opportunities within the company. And that's challenging, that's isn't it? Yes. Um, that was uh, probably our biggest difference between uh, two seasons ago and this following season is um, we, uh, I think we were undercharging, severely undercharging our clients for the service that we were offering. And I'd been told many years of my life, this is a margin that a lot of companies shoot for. And I said, I can do it with less margin than what, what other companies say. And um, it kicked us in the face, you know, and, and made things really tight, but we poured into our team and we retained our team. Um, and I figured out that I needed to run my numbers off my business, off our comp plans and the opportunity I wanted to provide to the people in my company to say, okay, if we give all of this, then this is what we need to charge. And we set our price based off the opportunities I want to create for our team, not off what the market was saying. Wow. Um, Slow down, man. That was a good one. Again. <laughs> You sell your jobs based on the opportunities that you want to make for your team, not what the market says that you should sell your job for, because the market is only determined by everyone else around you and their standards. So if they're operating at a standard that doesn't value team growth, and that's not fair for you to be compared to them and have it a lower to their standard, right? And is that kind of what you felt you were doing is kind of just trying Absolutely. to get close? Yeah. And you know, when I told the team we were going to raise our prices 30%, I had salespeople come to me and say, well, fine, I just won't sell any jobs. Wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, a, that's um, interesting. And how did you respond to that? Um, we'll see. Okay. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Will you give it a shot for me? And uh, we didn't have a dip in our closing ratios. Wow. So we increased the cost and uh, frankly, we had an uptick for what a lot of people's closing ratios were. Um, and the way it was verbalized to the team was that if you want to continue to make the money that you want to make, this is the price that we have to sell it at. So now the question is, do you believe you're worth charging this amount? So you're placing the expectation on, on them and saying, hey, you asked for this or this is what you're <laughs> aiming for. And I'm telling you how to get there and I'm getting some blowback because you're not used to this, but this is what it requires in order for us to do this. So you should be all in. And I yeah. think it's a smart way to go about it. Um, you know, cause ultimately everyone's earning their own income, whether they think that it's coming from you, 
mm-hmm. I guess it kind of is. You're just facilitating it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that's kind of that's kind of where it comes from. So it's that's it's, it's really good. Twenty three people, a lot of people to, 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 to care for. Have you uh, have you opened up the doors to benefits yet? Is that something that's in the uh, that's in the pipeline? Oh, yeah, we do. We offer a, a pretty significant health insurance policy. We cover uh, a significant portion of it uh, for each one of the employees. We offer an incredible amount of PTO. Um, you know, as a seasonal business, that 80% of your revenue comes from exterior painting, things slow down. So we're able to say, hey, go away, take three weeks, five weeks, six weeks off and recharge. Uh, I had multiple people go on international trips this winter. Um, take some time off and go sit so, on the beach. So, so they're paid throughout this break. Yeah. So everyone hustles, <laughs> falls to the wall for uh, for the time that you guys are cranking out all this yeah. work, and then they get to chill. What an all! It's like a it's like a teacher system, right? They get the summer off. Yeah, you know? um, that's really cool. We uh, we offer a wellness account for all of our employees. So um, wellness account, it's a couple hundred dollars a month dedicated to anything that brings someone um, mental health or joy. So counseling or massages or therapy or chiropractors or a bowling league, if it's something that brings you joy and is going to make you a happier, healthier, better human, I want to support it. Um, How do they submit that inquiry for the wellness um, they send me the receipts and I file yeah. away in documentation and it's paid as okay. tax income. So how about that, dude? How about that? Um, just trying to make sure that we're encouraging a healthy work-life balance and um, a place where you know it, it's not just about doing the work, but it's about growing uh, professionally and personally and improving your impact uh, around you. So. As a company, we're trying to really dedicate time to improving our impact on the community and encouraging our team to, to do the same, um, increase wow. the impact. I love, man, that's crazy. I love that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, uh, that, that you went that deep with, uh, the, uh, the impact, man. And I love culture. I think that, you know, I think that when you grow here, here, here's, here's something that came up the other day. We were talking about, like, I don't know what group I was in. I was talking to, I think the moderators of the painting contractor group, we have like a group chat and we were talking about greed. And I said, you know, my definition of greed in, in business is improper allocation of resources. Yeah. I think that as a, as a leader, you're, you're a steward, you know, and in stewardship, you are a facilitator of resources. It's up to you to decide where like what you you the 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 money comes to you and then you have a choice how you're going to distribute that um you know that money and and what you're going to do with it and i think you're an excellent uh example of the best thing things to do uh you know with the money like you know and i think it's very selfless i mean you could uh clearly ramp up your take home uh and and forego all these things but it's uh it's cool because, you know, the exchanges is, is, is the love and return that you get from the people that go to bat for you every day and keep yeah. you going because that might be a short term uh, win, you know, kind of like I tell people, yeah, as a business owner working you and another person, you know, and you're just taking all the pot profit and putting it in your pocket, short term win, long term, you can't survive that way. 
No. You need these people. And I think if you have the mindset of a leader that says, well, I don't need you. You need me as your boss, which is a mentality <laughs> that really dominated the 80s through 2010, maybe. You know, mm -hmm. that was the mentality. Something shifted where people all of a sudden have options. We have indeed. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have options now. Essentially, it's the other way around. I believe that what you're doing is you're making a really tough case for someone to leave. And I'm sure if they did leave, you'd let them go with, with love. But also you're saying, hey, I'm doing this because I want you to stay. I want you to stay. And that's mm -hmm. cool. I respect um, that. Training employees is so costly. Training a new painter. It, it takes so much time and energy. And, I, you know, I, I think the common generic statistic is that um, it costs the company $100,000 to hire a new person. Some crazy number like that. Um, between Over time. The course of errors and time. And, and yeah, okay, I could see that. You know, and I think that's the generic number. I might be way high. Maybe it's 40,000, but there's some absurd number that, you, that goes into training and onboarding a new person. And I don't want to dedicate our resources to training and onboarding new people. I want to dedicate them to improving the team. There, we there's, have. A, there, there's something here, though. Like, you know, I think, I think for those, and again, relating it to our audience here, because not everyone's hitting those numbers. And I think, some people stay in the infatuation stage too long. Do you remember what that was early on in your business where you realized like, holy crap, I'm making some serious money here? No. You don't remember that? I didn't that? have that. You didn't have that? Okay. <laughs> no. well, you, well, you know why? Because you came from a sales environment in the industry where you were already hitting a high number. Yes. Many of the people that I serve go from working from somebody to owning their own business. So now they're starting yeah. to see profit, right? Yeah. And, and that infatuation stage for some never, never ends. It's just like, they can't let it go. Cause they're so afraid that if they let it go, it won't come back. And I think if you have a team, it doesn't matter if it's one person, two person, three, four, five, it doesn't matter. And if it hurts you to let them go, take a break a week over Christmas or whatever it is, if it, and, and be paid to sit and not work. If that bothers you, that's an area that you should focus on. And I think that if you have a feeling toward that, that should be where you should start is where, what am I placing my, my, my attention on? Is it the money that I'm losing or the future investment in keeping great people around me because they appreciate that? So essentially you are an investor in people. Would you agree? Can I give you that title? hundred percent. You're a people investor. Yeah. It's not many people around. Um, it, I was having this conversation recently, um, and it's not just internally, uh, because as you know, we do subcontract out a lot of our work and we invest in those teams equally as much as I invest inside of those. So we look at developing ourselves and making sure that they've got the right equipment and that they're safe and that they're trained well, um, and making sure that we're really pouring into every person who's doing work for us. I think uh, a lot of people tend to want to find the perfect sub who's already built and ready, but I look at uh, the opportunity to help grow their businesses as one of the most rewarding things that I get to do is see a sub grow. 
Yeah. It fills me with a, a ton of joy. Yeah. And I think that's cool. You don't really hear that, that you're investing in the sub. Normally, in some cases, it's like, okay, here's the job. Do it. Give us the check when you're done. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of this consensus. But you're more of a, hey, let's talk about how we can grow together. And, and, yeah. and I help you do your job to the best of your ability and I can sell you more jobs, you know, uh, <laughs> really cool. Really cool to close out a couple of things I want to hit on. Number one, you mentioned how important software is for your business to keep track of all of this stuff. I know you use Salesforce. I'm going to get you on drip jobs one day, <laughs> a little big right now. We got to tweak some things, but <laughs> emphasize really emphasize what, what, what it means to you to have the right system in place. Yeah. Um, man, this has been a, a crazy road. Um, and, and I will say before we had a single job or a single client or a single lead inside of our system, we had spent well over a hundred hours developing our CRM and how we were gonna manage those client relationships, how we're gonna manage those contacts. It was the first investment that we made as a company. Um, at this point, I have somebody on staff who I put through a certification program to help manage our CRM. Um, I have learned so much from you over the last three years, Tanner, watching your automations and your commitment to automating the painting industry. Um, and frankly, looking at what you've been doing and saying, okay, how can I do something similar with the platform that we've got? And how has that helped you in terms of, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, so before, uh, I don't know, were you automating that follow up for your home advisor leads or um, what did that look like before for you? It was several years in the making yeah. uh, before I really got it to where it is, you know, now. Um, and now a uh, lead comes in and there's an automated email, they're immediately put into a drip campaign and we have constant contact plus. Uh, the people on my team who are dedicated to calling those leads. And that was our first hire was some of the managed leads. It wasn't a project manager. It wasn't a salesperson. It was someone to take our phones and call our leads and make sure that we had estimates for me. And then the estimates- Is that a high level? I mean, you're operating with so many moving parts. And I know you see the value in drip jobs for the visual aspect of where yeah. they are you have to it but it doesn't matter if you're hitting that number that you're hitting or even if you're early on it's like one of my favorite things to say is build the well before you're thirsty i think that's what you did because you knew you said look i am not going to play this game of catch up when we do hit these numbers i'm going to get this system in place now mm -hmm. so when it's ready when we know like we are going to be successful so when we hit success we're not learning the system at success level we know the system before success and is preparing us for success, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and if we were to simplify the year of um, 2021, what were we like really dedicated to? It was automations. It was a year of Zapier and webhooks and yep. automating our whole internal process. I hired somebody specifically to help do that. Wow. And uh, I think it was why we were able to maintain the numbers that we did with our price increase. Um, how, how do you feel like the customers 
from your perspective, I know the answer to this, but I want to hear your perspective. How do you feel the customers generally um, respond to automated communication from contractors? I think they appreciate it. Um, I think it's appreciated. I think it's valued. Um, I think it improves or increases their uh, what they what they think about us. I think it's so, surprising. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's surprising? Because I've learned that it doesn't matter if we're painters, roofers, if we are gardeners or lawn, lawn care people, or we're tree care companies or hardscapers, or if we do drywall, people see contractors as all the same. Would you agree? Um, Generally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, they do. Generally speaking, right? Like, yeah. we're just, you know, it's a contractor, you know, and like the general, the contractor general consensus is can't get a hold of them. Yeah. You know, they can never get a hold of them, you know. So when when a contractor like you or anyone using drip jobs comes in with an automation, it's kind of surprising. It's like, okay, I can work with this. This is neat. You know, I don't have to chase them down, right? Um, naturally, human instinct. People want to be wanted. They have this desire to be sought after. Everyone wants to be courted. And I don't care what per, like anyone believes, a client, they want someone to win their business. They want to wow. be desired and we just happen to want them more than the next sometimes. Um, yeah. And we make them feel that love uh, yeah. organically and naturally. Yeah. Through sometimes the use of automation. Sometimes through automation. <laughs> it's, still... it's organic and natural when we show up to the door though, isn't it? We don't, <laughs> we're not going to, you know, we're not going to robot them there, but no, it's, no. It, you know, it's important because like, you know, and again, I always, I always compare it to this. We are selling a service, yes, but people are buying something just like they buy things in other areas. You see how everyone else in the big sectors like e-commerce and, you know, all, all that is it, the way that they're doing it is very similar to what we're just trying to do with, with this sector. It's just way behind. You buy something on Amazon, you get a confirmation right away. You get a notification when that thing delivers to your door. You're not mad at Amazon for doing that. You're actually like, oh, my package is here. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. so it's like, if you're leaving these, these gaps in between the time somebody calls you for an estimate all the way into the time you show up to the door, there's no confirmation or text message or email. All that leaves people to believe is uncertainty. They don't feel wanted, just like you said, right. They feel kind of like, all right, well, I hope they show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, those, very, very simple things of a text message coming out saying, you know, our estimate's still scheduled for tomorrow. I look forward yep. to meeting with you. Very simple, but, exactly. But it means so much to them. Yeah. Uh, and it's so valued. Yeah, yeah. And you're actually getting a competitive advantage because you're pretty much building a greater relationship than the next person who took the phone call and said they'll be there Friday. And no email, no text, but guess what? Kind Home Solutions or anyone using drip jobs is getting the person excited through a couple of text messages. Maybe, hey, check out this link while you wait for us to come by. Here's the, our latest job, you know, or hey, here's a link to see your reviews. Get to know us a little bit. Or here's our story if you're interested in reading it before you actually show up to the door. So that person knows you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much. You know, so I, I think there's, there's so much value there, man. But listen, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for shedding your, your light on us and uh, giving us a little bit bigger of a perspective. Uh, 
I look forward to talking to you on your birthday next year. Um, <laughs> what is, uh, so what's, what's, what's 2022 looking like, man? What are, what are you hitting? What are you trying to hit goal wise? It, it doesn't have to just be financial. It could be a goal of, Hey, I want to keep all my employees. <laughs> you know, that might be one. Um, what are, what are some uh, things that you're striving toward this year? That a hundred percent employee retention is one of our KPIs for this coming year. Um, I don't want to lose any of them. Uh, I don't want to fire anyone. I don't want to have somebody quit for another opportunity. Um, and that's already written down as a hundred percent employee retention. Um, revenue goal is, uh, 8 million for next year. And, um, feeling really confident about it. We were able to, uh, uh, for the first time, I've got really like uh, management teams in place to start managing our sales and production. And I needed that in order for us to begin that scaling process. And we're right there. So um, really, I'm, I'm wanting to grow our team by 50% this year. And yeah, hit, hit, a, hit a bigger number. Love it. I love it. Well, we'll have to come back and, and see. Uh, hopefully we get some paint this year. And uh, we can make it happen, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Tanner, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Dude, thanks, my friend. I appreciate you jumping on, and uh, we'll check in uh, hopefully uh, sometime soon. That sounds good. Drip Jobs CRM is finally here. That's right. So, Drip Jobs is an automation platform for contractors, home service professionals that's going to automatically follow up with your customers. It's going to allow you to send invoices, estimates. It's going to allow you to send out blast marketing emails to individuals based on where they are in the buying process. This software is next level. And I'm reaching out to you. You're a listener of this podcast, and I want you to be one of the first ones to give it a shot. So if you want to see what Drip Jobs can do for your business, I'd love for you to head over to dripjobs.com. Sign up for a free demo and get your team involved and let us sit with you and show you how powerful this software is. It's going to save you time. It's going to make you money and you're going to love the features that are built into Drip Jobs. So if you want to check it out, head over to dripjobs.com and we will give you first priority being a podcast listener uh, to be one of the very first to try out Drip Jobs in your home service business. I'm super excited to share that with you and I'll catch you on the next episode.